Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. So thank God that we were able to testify to His greatness and His goodness this morning. Um, If you want to continue to testify, that's great. It's not going to bother me at all. Um, I'm just going to stand up here and share what's on, on my heart. If you if you successfully, for the last few minutes, avoided eye contact with the person next to you, you are free and clear. Or those of you that ran to the back and out, they can come back in. Wherever you guys are, I'm thankful that you're here this morning. And uh, I'm thankful to be able to share what's on my heart as we enter into this new month of July, which is just amazing that the summer's just flying by. Um, believe it or not, I, I think my kids are only, uh, they're probably going to, be very upset at this, but I think they're only about five weeks away from school. Um, it, not that anybody's counting, but I think it's about five weeks. Ross starts pretty early on, but um, I, I know that you know they, they start about mid-August, and then my my one oldest daughter goes away to college uh, late August. So believe it or not, I think that's going to be here before we know it. We're going to kind of turn the corner. But as we enter into July, we also um, are changing what we're focusing on as a church through our reading plan, but then also what we're going to be talking about on Sunday mornings. And as we go into July, we're going to be focusing on several attributes of God. Uh, and we're going to focus primarily on three specific attributes of God. And these are the omni attributes of God. So we're going to look at, you know, his omnipotence, which means that he's all powerful. We're going to look at his omnipresence, which means that he's all present. And then what we're going to talk about, if you were in the reading plan this last week, you kind of saw where um, we were were trying to focus on. And then what I get to share about this morning is the third omni, and that's his omniscience, his attribute of omniscience. So to kind of give you an idea of what that looks like, there's two parts to that word. We have the omni, which means all. So when you look at all three attributes, you have omni, which means he's all. And then this morning when we talk about his omniscience, the back part of that word comes with the scientia. Sorry, I'm not a, a linguist, but it means basically it's the same word that science comes from. And what it means is knowledge. So you have all knowledge if you break the word down. So what we say as believers, when we say that God is omniscient, we mean that God knows all things. The past, the present, the future. God is the source of all knowledge. Now, in our humanness, and I, I'm, I'm a very logical thinker, I'm very analytical, that's hard for me to wrap my head around. It's hard for me to wrap my thought around because our knowledge is very limited. And our best efforts at this are very finite. And it's so hard to put our finite thinking into an infinite scope because we're limited by our own experiences in this specific place and time. And so what that can do, and what I want to talk about this morning is, as Andrew was praying, I, I, want to, I want to invite God to get very near to us this morning. And the problem is when we think of this infinite, omniscient God, it can lead us to have a very distant view of God. And that's so different than us because we, we just, it's hard for us to know him. We're unable to reach that type of thinking. He has unlimited knowledge. How are we able to know him? But even more so, it may lead us down a path of why would this God with unlimited knowledge of everything, past, present, future, take an interest in knowing me? 
if we're to think of literally all that that encompasses, everything, past, present, and future, we can create this distance by thinking that a God who is able to know all of that doesn't really take an interest in me and the specifics of my life. And then what that can do then is it leads us to, I'll just take control of this. God's not really interested in this or he doesn't really know about this. I'm going to take control of this area of my life. Instead of fully surrendering it to him, I'm going to take control. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the specifics of that later on in the message. But that's one of the dangers in creating this distance of God. This morning, I actually want to share how this amazing attribute of his omniscience shouldn't lead us to a distant view of God, but rather the exact opposite. Knowing that God is omniscient should allow us to trust his will, his word, his timing. Though we don't know all the answers, God does. We should find comfort and peace in the omniscience of God. And knowing that God is omniscient should lead us into a deeply intimate view of God one in which we are amazed by who he is. Now that word intimacy, intimacy, especially for, for us men in the room, intimacy is like, it can be an intimidating and scary word and make us uncomfortable and we wanna hide from that. But intimacy also is something beautiful. We're made for intimacy, but we in our humanness, we can struggle with that. We don't wanna be vulnerable. You see, Adam and Eve, they lost their intimacy with God when they sinned, and they went and they hid from God. And since the fall, we've actually hid ourselves from God. We've lost something, we've forgotten something of being intimate with one another and with God. Human beings tend to hide, I know this personally, human beings tend to hide who they are from one another, and we try to hide who we are from God. We want to put up this false front. In our hearts, we want to be known, but we don't know how to be known. We struggle with the thought of anyone knowing us fully. Because how can someone who how can someone ever want to know the deepest part of us? How can anyone ever look into every part of us, the good the bad, the ugly, and still love us. We fear rejection. We fear the rejection that might come from being vulnerable. The rejection that may come from being intimate. We fear rejection for who we really are. Being known can be, it, it can be vulnerable. It can be scary. It can be this intimate thing that we just struggle with in our humanness. And it's hard and it's scary for us to understand that and live with that. When we sin, I know that this is, this is very, very common. When we sin, we, we want to run and we want to hide from God. It's that guilt that we feel. It's that weight that seems unbearable. It's that shame that we put on ourselves. It's like there's something terrible with us and we don't want to share it with anyone, especially God. We struggle to believe that a holy God will ever accept us. 
And the result of that is we're left alone with this intimate awareness of our own lack of holiness and our own lack of self-acceptance. We just beat ourselves up. In sin, we have this list of inadequacies. And they just keep piling on and they heap on and it becomes heavier and the shame gets bigger. The guilt just piles up. Sin keeps us from God. It pushes us away from God and it hides us from God. But at the cross, Jesus goes where no one wants to go. You see, at the cross, there's intimacy. There's intimacy at the cross. Because with all our sin exposed, there's the blood of Jesus poured out. There's intimacy at the cross. The world runs from intimacy. It tells you to put that guard up, put that shield up. But Jesus took the hidden things of our lives upon himself so that we would not have to hide An intimate view of God that forms here is beautiful. It's beautifully unique to the relationship with Him. It's a relationship that's pure and deep and sacrificial love. And when I think of our human relationships, specifically about love, a love that I, I share with my wife, with my children, with my friends, I'm talking about like the, the relationships that really go deep and like you're like, I love that person. I think there's two things that I want us to look at this morning. Two key founding things. The first one we're going to put up here. Two key founding things about our human relationships when it comes to love. The first is we are known. That's the first key foundation to being in a loving relationship is we are known. I remember through the years of dating my wife when we first started our dating relationship, and we began to share, I, I, I always just shared the safe things to kind of test the water, right? I would only let certain things about my life, I, I would just kind of like little by little, I'd share them out with her. And it was through those sharing moments in my life that I would share, and she wouldn't, she, she wouldn't react negatively. I kept waiting for that moment where I'm like, oh, I'm gonna tell her this, and that's, that's gonna be it. No, the reason our relationship grew deeper is because it was through the sharing of the parts of my life that I wouldn't share with anyone else. And that's the beauty of our marriage right now. She knows me more than anyone else. I chose to go beyond the safe sharing as time permitted. And for love to grow, someone will know us at a, deep, at a level deeper than the norm. They will know things about us that no one else knows. So the first key foundation is we were known. The problem with this is sometimes we treat our relationship with God the same way. We only want to talk with God about those, those safe things. We want to hide everything else, like the things that really matter. The things we're really struggling with, we don't go to God with those. You know, it's like, God, I'm just going to give you this one little thing. I'm going to give you the safe things. Because if he knew some of the stuff that I thought or that I did, there's no way he's going to love me. 
we can carry that type of thought process. So the first key foundation to any loving relationship is we are known. And the second is we are accepted. So we are known and we are accepted. With all that that person knew about us, all that we began to share, the same thing when I was in that dating relationship with Ginger, as, as I was sharing and, and I became known, I was still accepted. The one who loved us chose to come towards us and remain committed to us. I have shared with my kids several, several times. And I will continue to share with this with them because I think there's beauty in it. That I would rather know the real them. The real situation they're struggling with. Because I've told them and I've sat down, looked them in the eye. It's not going to change the way that I love you. It will never change the way that I love you. I don't want them to put up some fake image. I don't want them to try and make me think that they're behaving in a manner that meets my expectations. I don't want that false front. I don't want that fake image. I don't want them to, to hide behind something that isn't true in order so they think that I might love them more or love them differently. I'm going to love them no matter what. And for love to be complete, you need both. You need to both be known and you need to be accepted. Because to be accepted without being known is shallow. And to be known but not accepted is terrifying. A complete love must have both. And praise God this morning that there is no one who knows us more thoroughly than the God of the universe, and there is no one who accepts us more completely than our omniscient God. That is a fact. We're going to read in Psalm 139. We're going to read through that this morning. We're going to kind of break that down. So if you want to get your, your Bible apps out or your Bibles and turn to Psalm 139, we're going to take a deep look into a few truths that we can take hold of regarding this close and intimate relationship with God. We're going to have it up here too. So we're going to read all of Psalm 139 to begin with. And then we're going to take some time to break down three particular parts of it. So Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. <clears throat> you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. 
The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven, woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do not I loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So the first thing that we want to look at in Psalm 139 is verses 1 through 6. And the first truth of this in this portion is that God knows us completely. If you look at the first six verses, you see the statement that he starts with in, in, in line one. It's a statement of head knowledge. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. I think that most of us, truly most of us, if we took a poll across everyone here, I think most of us would understand this truth about God. We really do. And yet, many of us are able to operate on two different levels. While we understand this intellectually, that God knows everything about us, on a day-to-day -day level, level, we live as if we can keep secrets from Him. There's two different levels. There's that head knowledge of yet... Yes, God is so big, he knows everything about me. But I'm going to keep this secret from him. Maybe it's because we're afraid that if God knew everything about us, he would reject us. That he would judge us. And it's hard for us to comprehend a God who can know the truth about us and accept us anyway. In verse 1, it states that he searches us. The Hebrew word here, when I was studying it, the Hebrew word here, it actually means to examine carefully or to explore. It carries this idea of, of kind of a digging or a scouring. David here is saying that God knows him because he has scoured every detail of his life. Because he's carefully examined us, he knows us. I want to kind of look step by step here on verses 2 through 5 into other key things here about how God knows us. What does God know about us? First off, as we read through that, we see, you know when I sit and when I rise. So the first thing he knows about us is he knows what we do. God knows when we sit down and when we stand up. Those are two different, those are intentionally opposites. The two opposites of sitting and rising represent everything that we do throughout the day, right? I'm either sitting or I'm rising. He knows everything about me. He knows all that we do. 
Proverbs 5.21 says this, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. God knows every move that we make. As we go further down, you discern my thoughts from afar. This is one you're going to want to pause on, right? He knows what we think. It's amazing and difficult to comprehend this. But God knows what we think even before we think it. This is far different of knowledge. God knows one of my one of my favorite things that happens when we're driving along. Some of you guys can relate to this. We'll be driving along, especially on long distance trips. And Ginger will just look over at me after I've been silent for a long time and she'll be like, What are you thinking? Nothing. God knows that that's a true statement right there, right? Because he knows my thoughts, guys. He knows that I'm sitting there just literally just trucking along and there's not a thought going on up there, right? But sometimes that's hard for, especially for Ginger, who's just like a deep thinker and a processor and everything. She's like, how? How does that happen? Like, I don't know, but I like it, right? It makes driving just so much more enjoyable. But God, he, God knows what we think. And here's the thing. God knows everything you're thinking and he still loves you. Jeremiah 17.10 helps us understand the depths of God's knowledge. It says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. As we continue on with Psalm 139, you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. He knows where we go. He knows what we do. He knows what we think, and he knows where we go. He sifts out our lives and understands what's really going on. From the time that we stumble out of bed in the morning to the time we collapse at night, he sees it all. And he immediately comprehends the good and the bad that we do. Not only does he know what we think and where we go, he knows what we say. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. God, no, no, God not only hears everything that we say, he knows what we're going to say before we can even form the words in our mouth. You see, our thoughts, our thoughts are like words to God. He hears them. He understands them completely as if we had shouted them from the mountaintops. He knows our thoughts. He knows what we need. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. You see, David here, he's using some imagery from war. He knew all about strategic battle plans and ambushes and how to surround a city. And what David is saying is here is he felt surrounded by God's knowledge of every thought, word, and deed. He knew that God surrounded him. He can't turn back and try and escape because God's behind him. He can't run forward because God's in front of him. And his hand keeps David from harm. And then I love verse 6. 
as David ponders this fact that God knows him completely, he's blown away. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. He can't even begin to understand, let alone describe, the depth of God's personal knowledge in every action, every thought, every trip, every word, and every need. I'm the same way. It just makes my brain just, wow. And we can begin, that's where that overwhelming feel, feeling comes in. We can be overwhelmed by that. But I, I, I don't think that overwhelming is the right response. Instead, remember this. Wonder and worship are always the proper responses to these glorious attributes of God. Wonder and worship. Amazement leads us into that awe of God. We're amazed by Him. We're in awe of Him. And then that should just lead us right into adoration. Amazement. Awe. I love you. I'm in just amazement of you. I adore you. I worship you. Paul shares this in Romans 11, verses 33 through 36. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been His counselor or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. So the second truth is this. God thinks of us constantly. God thinks of us constantly. Not only does God know us completely, He thinks about us constantly. He knows everything about us and He still likes us. I think that's going to be news for some people here this morning. He knows everything about us and He still likes us. We are known by our knowable, holy, creative, ever-present God, and He accepts us. He sees our entire life from the beginning, even before we started growing in the womb. He knows all about our every sin, our moral compromise, and yet His heart is fixed on us as He thinks about us all the time. If we jump down to verses 17 through 18, we see that. It reads, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. God's thoughts are precious. We see here again, this David is overwhelmed as he contemplates the greatness of God. He doesn't understand how God can think about him all the time. Not only are God's thoughts precious and does He think about us all the time, but God's thoughts are numerous. He says that if we try and count them, they outnumber the grains of the sand in the beach. 
If I had a jar of, of sand up here and I poured it out and I said, count them. That's just that much. I've not been to all the beaches, but I can tell you that I can't count the sand on even one of them. God's thoughts are so innumerable, impossible to count and impossible to understand. He thinks about each one of us all the time. God's thoughts are constant. So they're precious, they're numerous, they're constant. God thinks about us all the time. It says, I awake and I'm still with you. God doesn't forget us when we're sleeping. The final point that I want to bring to you this morning is that when God searches us, he searches us conclusively. So we see that in verses 23 through 24. And I want to, I'll, I'll respond and, and explain that a little bit more. But God searches us conclusively. In verses 23 through 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I see a big difference here from the beginning in verse 1, verse 23 through 24 here. And this is what I think God wants for some of us to hear this morning. In the beginning, I, I kind of hear this in verse 1. I see this head knowledge comment, right? Oh God, you, you, you know my ways, right? Like That's a statement. By the end here, I see a prayer. I see a willingness, an openness, where it went from the head knowledge to the heart knowledge. The heart knowledge here will, will plead that, search me, oh God. I'm inviting you in. I'm willingly saying, search me and know my heart. Not that you can, as in verse 1, and that you do, but that I want you to. There's a big difference between the two. And God wants us to invite him to search our lives. You see, it's always a good idea to do kind of some, some self-review, self-examination, some self-thought as far as all that goes. But it's even better to say, God, examine me. God, search me. Because most of us, when we examine ourselves, we're going to arrive at the conclusion that we're, we're okay. Right? Especially because we do a lot of comparison at that point in time. I'm not, a I, I'm not as bad as that person. I don't struggle with that sin. I don't have that problem. That's not the posture we're supposed to have. Because once we understand that God loves us, really loves us, remember, two key foundations of love, to be known, to be accepted. And once we understand that God loves us, we invite his investigation. We desire him to dig into the depths of our being why is that? Because not only does God know us, He knows us better than we know ourselves. And He loves us too much to allow us to keep doing the things that we've been doing. It's that love that prevents it. And as I was preparing this morning, the Lord just kind of laid on my heart that there's many different ways and different areas 
that in arrogance we kind of we, we try and take control right we try and have ownership because we in our naivety we either think that God does not know how to handle them God doesn't know how to handle that part of my life he doesn't know what I really need or maybe we've been doing our own thing in certain areas and we don't think God will accept us if he knew, really knew what we'd been doing. As if we're going to hide that away from him. A few of the areas that God placed on my heart is, you know, I, I shared last month about finances. Maybe this is an area of your life in which you think God doesn't know what you need. So you choose your own financial plan. You choose your own spending. You choose what you want to do. Maybe it's in how we pursue peace. God doesn't really know what brings me peace. He doesn't know how to give me peace. Not when I've had a bad day or I've had a hard season. And, and it's just because I don't think he knows, I'm going to take care of that on my own. I'm going to pursue that through this avenue, through this drink, through this substance, through this fill in the blank, right? We take control of that. Maybe it's in your physical relationship, both in dating and marriage. God doesn't really know what I need physically from my partner. So I'm going to choose to satisfy those desires before his plan of marriage. Or even once you're married, I'm going to pursue those things outside of what God wants me to do. I'm going to pursue it through pornography and images and all those things that the world has for me in an attempt to satisfy my own desires. I'm taking control of that. I'm not giving that up. Those are some hard things to really start to peel back on, right? But don't be afraid to ask God to point out offensive stuff in your life. Allow him to show you the things that grieve him or bring pain to other people. And when he exposes something, own it. Confess it and yield it to God who knows you intimately and yet loves you completely. Because he knows us completely, thinks of us constantly, and searches us conclusively. This is a completely different view of God for some of us. It leads us to where we don't feel spied on. We don't have this God that's looking over us and spying, waiting for us to step out, and he's like, gotcha. So many of us have that image of God. So this morning, if you have that image of God, I want to offer a different perspective and freedom from that. Don't feel spied on. Feel watched over. That's a big difference. I know as an earthly parent, I, I would always, I'd watch over my kids. I'd make sure they're okay. I, you know, praise the Lord for Life 360. I can still watch over them, right? I do that because I love them. I want to protect them. And that'll lead to a feeling of security. We will feel secure. Having placed our confidence in Christ, no skeleton can come tumbling out of some hidden closet to expose our past. And no character flaw can come to light that would make God turn away.
He already knows everything about us and still loves us. As I was studying in preparation, I came across a, a Tozer quote, and it should be up there. I think it is. So this is from Tozer's book of Knowledge of the Holy. And I loved it, so I wanted to share it. It says, To us who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us in the gospel, how unutterably sweet is the knowledge that our Heavenly Father knows us completely. No talebearer can inform on us. No enemy can make up an accusation stick. No forgotten skeleton can come tumbling out of some hidden closet to abash us and expose our past. No unsuspected weakness in our characters can come to light to turn God away from us. Since he knew us utterly before we knew him and called us to himself in the full knowledge of everything that was against us. So I want to invite praise team to, to come on up. And as we kind of land this um, this morning, you know, Psalm 139, it hits in some pretty intimate areas of our heart. And it's raw, but it's got beautiful truth that we want to see this morning. It reflects a living, breathing representation of an intimate relationship with God. We hear words, you know us in our innermost being. And I want us to slow down enough this morning to really stop and think about the beauty and the surprise of that. And don't just think, well, of course God knows me. He knows everything about me. But I think that there should be some awe and wonder in that. And I think for some of us, there's some uneasiness of being known. But this morning, I want to invite us to think about and talk to God about these areas that are the uneasy ones. Maybe it's one of those ones that I listed. Maybe it's not. But what are those uneasy ones? Ones in which we thought maybe he just doesn't care about that. Maybe we had some, maybe we had some arrogance there. God doesn't really care about that. Or maybe we think he won't accept us if he really knew about that. The beauty of truth this morning is that he does know us. He does accept us. And he does love us. And I want to take some time to praise and worship him, as I said earlier, for that. So we're going to have some time here to praise and worship. Uh, you got time before you go get your kids, so you can stay and be still for a little bit. And I want to pray, and then we're going to go into worship. And I just pray this morning, Father God, thank you. Thank you for that attribute of being all-knowing. And Father, I pray for my own heart and for all the hearts of those that hear. May that not create a distant view of you, but rather may that draw intimately into our lives. To know that you know us, you know so many things, all things about us. And you accept us. And you love us. And so Jesus, this morning, I'm going to say, Take the areas that are uneasy. Take the thoughts that maybe are, are just out of skew. 
and we lay them down before you. Because of who you are. And Lord, may we not let our our finite brains get in the way of this. But may we just accept this as truth. That you are who you are. That you love us the way that your word says you love us. Father, I just ask this morning that we be known greater by you. And that we know you deeper, more fully. And as you think through your own life, sit here this morning and say, God, search me. Search me. And when he reveals those things that maybe we weren't aware of, own it. Confess it. And turn from it. Turn deeper into him. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.